0: Good morning, good morning, once again, good morning. Uh, Just a quick show of hands, did anyone receive breakfast in bed this morning, anyone? Ah, you you are the spoiled ones, you are the spoiled ones. Um, Yeah, Raina got up really early and made me breakfast in bed, it was awesome, it was a happy birthday continuum, the love keeps on going. Some of us were rightly so depressed from yesterday and the Warriors, and we just couldn't... We wanted to make breakfast in bed, but we were too crestfallen. Well, today is going to be our last installment in the series on prayer. And so when you do the last installment, what you want to do is a review. And so we're going to do a very quick review, okay? So on the first Sunday when we began this series we talked about how Jesus encourages us to be two things in prayer. And you remember he, he didn't grab, but someone handed him a little baby. And he, basically he said, look at this baby, you know. And unless you become like this baby, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So we're talking about two qualities that we need when we pray. The first one was shamelessness. And the second one was, you guys can fill in the blank. That's right, silence. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> Baby, look, at, helplessness. Helplessness. I need to make my messages more memorable. Okay, that's the lesson for me. Okay, uh, the, next Sunday, Calvin talked about giving God a big, juicy... Oh, you guys got that one. Good job, Calvin. That was good. Okay. Okay, now, third Sunday, the key word was praise. I'm not even going to pause on this one because, you know, i something I'm very insecure. We, we talked about taking scripture and you tease out an attribute about God and you praise God for that attribute all day long. And it changes your day. Okay. And then we went and this, the theme of prayer kind of culminated last weekend with Pastor Aaron giving three messages on prayer. He did such an amazing job. And he talked about confession and then he also talked about asking God for things. But the first message, you guys remember, was probably the most powerful message. And the message was about uh, praying through the scripture. So God has given this amazing resource in his word, and we can actually pray through it. And there's so much authority. And and Pastor Aaron quoted a quote that I thought was so memorable. I just want to test if you guys also thought it was so memorable. That praying through the scripture is using God's blank blank own words. That's right. i had a dollar. To give you a dollar. Who was that, by the way? Jason. Nice job. Good job. Uh, there is power when you pray and when you're using the scriptures. You are you are praying through god's own words okay now today today we're closing the series and today i think it's very fitting for us today we're talking about the power of perseverance the necessity the importance of perseverance in prayer perseverance in prayer Uh, i I wanted to uh, start off by just asking you if you guys have ever uh, prayed for something and it was so important to you, this thing that you were praying for, like you, you, you heard Pastor Calvin's message about asking God for something big and you felt inspired by the invitation of Christ to ask. And so you were asking and maybe it was for uh, having a child Or, or, you know, having a spouse or someone that you love to know Jesus. Or there's a relationship that's just messed up and you're praying that it would be better. And you're, you're praying about this and you're praying about this. And then the days go by, the weeks go by, and you get silence. You get no answer. You have no idea what God is saying. So, because there's that silence, you kind of feel like God's saying, wait. And so you're praying and you're waiting, and, you're, and then at some point, you just give up. You kind of feel like, what's the use of keep on praying and getting silence? And you just kind of, you just, you just, you just, you lose heart and you give up. Has anyone ever been there? Uh, is anyone there now? Um, I, I've shared with you guys that I, I have um, a chronic disability. Uh, I have the, these, these master muscles are really easily fatigued. And so sometimes it's really hard to preach. Sometimes it's re- I mean, I'm, I want to like, visit you guys and have meetings and stuff. Or, but I, I can't because it's hard to talk. And there was one time not long ago when these muscles were so bad. And I did something that I'm not very proud of. And here's where I'm just being honest with you guys. I feel like uh, I have a long history of this, you know, love relationship with God. And I felt like at one moment in time, I wanted to take that all and lay it down on the line. Now, this stuff, I just felt like it was killing me. I couldn't really do what I felt like God was calling me to do. So I went into my prayer closet. And again, I'm kind of embarrassed about this, but this is what I honestly said. I said, Lord, I know you love me. But if you love me, <laughs> I know you love me, but if you love me, I'm going to go to bed in a little bit. You know, it was, it was close to nighttime. And when I wake up, I'm just asking. I'm asking that you would just heal everything right here. That it would be like it used to be when I was 20. You know? Just complete healing. And it was like, you know, I was taking all the love of God for me. I'm like laying it on the line. If you love me. And so what I did is I, I went to bed. And I woke up. And the muscles were still Sore. And at that point, you know, I felt like I was at my ultimate low and I didn't know there was a basement underneath the ultimate low and the whole building dropped like a whole level down. You guys, I didn't, I didn't know where to go from there. And it was like there was a splinter in my mind that was twisting and it was saying, is God really good? Now, you guys, I'm really embarrassed that I did this because What evidence do I need that God really loves me? Um, God sent his only son to die on the cross for us and for me. That's all the evidence that we need. But I got to tell you, subjectively at that point, I was pretty, pretty, pretty low. And I was kind of confused in my faith. Have you guys ever been there, anywhere near there? You're praying for something, you're praying for something. You're getting silence, and you kind of feel like, what's the use of praying? God's silent. Why is he being silent to me? Now, at that point, I think a lot of us just kind of give up, right? And there's a real danger that happens when we fail to actually persevere in prayer when we actually don't really hear from the Lord. And the danger here is that there is this splinter that gets sown in your mind, and the splinter that keeps on twisting as you feel like, you know something, I don't really know if God is that good. I don't really know if he's really going to come through for me. And then what happens after that is that you're kind of like half-hearted in your faith. You're kind of lukewarm, you're... You're halfway in because you're not really sure that God's really for your best. And that splinter in your mind just keeps on twisting and keeps on twisting. And there's a real danger if we do not resolve this. I mean, if God has said no to something, and can we still trust him? Can we still believe that he has our best in mind? But if he says, wait, can we still persevere and have patience and keep pressing in and keep trusting we need to resolve this. This is really important. How many of you guys know people that have fallen away in their faith? Either it was unanswered prayer or there was no answer at all. And the person just stopped trusting and stopped believing and this kind of fell away. How many, how many know someone in that category, in that camp that's happened to them? I bet you if you had a little while longer, you would, everyone would know someone. Now this message, this this closing message is really that important. We need to resolve this. And so would you turn with me to Luke chapter 18? And I think, I believe in Luke after, uh, chapter 18, uh, Jesus wants to give us some hope. Jesus wants to give us some perspective. So this is Luke 18, and we're going to start with verse 1. I'm going to ask you guys to do something. Uh, can we all stand for the reading of God's word? We don't always do that, but that's just... But just pay some respect to the Lord's word and let's stand. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterwards, he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect the ye, end, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice. So that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, And will not God give justice to his elect? who cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? You all can sit down. Uh, Let me explain a little bit about this passage. The passage before this passage is about the second coming of Christ. And if you look at verse 8, Verse 8 refers back to the second coming of Christ. So what does that tell us when we read this parable? It tells us that the context is the second coming of Christ. So you can read this parable about the persistent widow as this is how you should live before Jesus comes back. This is how you should live while you're waiting for the ultimate answer to your prayer. Okay? This is how you should live. Now, for clarity's sake, what I did is I I wanted to, uh, you know, think through this passage and wrestle with it and think it over. And I've come up with one sentence that I think captures the very heart of this passage. And it goes like this. Be a person who prays for things that are worth praying about. That point we're going to go through really quickly. Be a person who prays for things that are worth praying about and don't give up until you have an answer from God. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Pray prayers that are worth praying. That's the first point. Now, the woman is pleading to the judge about something that is worth pleading about. She wants justice. There is something in her world that is not right. And she's coming to the judge on a regular basis, pleading her case Give me justice. Give me justice. And then Jesus at the end is explaining that the elect also cry out to him day and night. Now let me just ask you. The thing that you're praying for, is it worth crying out to God for day and night? Is it? Are the things that you pray for worth crying out to God for day and night? Let me ask you another question. Is, is the thing that you pray for over and over, is it going to make a difference 30 years from now? Uh, will it make a difference 300 years from now? I, I think the, the widow challenges the first point. Pray for things that are worth praying. Okay, that was a, that was a, a quick freebie. Okay, now we're really going to go into the punch of this passage. Okay, the punch of this passage is pray and do not give up pray and do not give up i think this is the real this real punch of the parable okay now how do i know this is the real punch of the parable did you guys read verse one luke luke's like hey guys this is what the parable's about you know sometimes i wish that that before a parable you know luke would just give like a pregnant summary sentence main idea And he doesn't always do it, but this time he's like, hey, let me tell you what this parable is about. Jesus said this to the effect of what? Of encouraging people to pray always and to not lose heart. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Keep on keeping on in faith and in prayer. This is the the encouragement of Christ for us this morning. <clears throat> now let's talk a little bit about this judge the parable says that this judge was two things right and it doesn't give a, a, a huge uh, um, you know a bio on the judge it really just says two things and these are the two things that you need to know about the judge number one what he didn't fear god number two what he didn't respect other people. Okay, that's a really bad combination for the widow. <laughs> okay, and now that's why th- these details are important. That's really bad news for the widow. Why is that really bad news for the widow? Well, number one, if you fear God, then you deeply respect him. You deeply respect his words. You know that there's going to be accountability. And the scriptures are very clear that God's heart leans towards, has favor and compassion on the widows and the orphans in community. You know that. But this judge doesn't fear God. I don't really care what God thinks. That's a big problem for the widow. Now, what's the second thing about this judge? He didn't care about what other people think. Now, this was a a shame-based sort of culture. And if you have a religious kind of people and they are people of the book, and the book says you really need to take care of your orphans and widows, then just by positive peer pressure, people feeling, uh, thinking badly of the judge, the judge wouldn't want to have a bad reputation. But not this judge. This judge doesn't care what people think. You guys are like, shame on you, judge. You should care for the widows. He's like, I don't really care about you guys. I don't really care. I don't give a rip what you think. This is really bad news for the widow, right? Now, tell me something about the widow. What does the widow have? What is the widow like? The widow, and this is, this is, this is very clear, uh, in this culture, <clears throat> the widow was a cultural icon of the most vulnerable person in society. The court was a place for men. Now that, I mean, I, I would like courts where there's women in there. No one asked me. The court was a place for men. And so if this woman was connected to some man who would represent her, then the man would be there representing. The man is not there. If she had a brother, if she had a son that was that, that was old enough, she had a nephew, a uncle, father, the man would have represented it there's no man there, which means that she got no one. She got she has no man in her life that can help. She is the most vulnerable person in this community right it's very very clear from the scripture so here's a widow who has nothing no connections no money to bribe the judge she's got nothing oh no 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 but she has one thing what's the one thing that she has guts and persistence that's the only thing she has and so she goes to the court people are like well who, who what you know and and she goes again i don't know the following day the next week and then she goes, and then at some point you imagine the bailiff like, "Oh no, not her again, her again," and the judge is like, "Oh no, not her again. This woman is wearing me out. She's giving me a big headache." And the judge, who is finally so sick of hearing her, rules in her favor. This widow had nothing. Accept persistence. You know who this widow reminds me of? An Chuang, our youth director. An Chuang, our youth director. For some reason, this widow reminds me of her. Now, I, what I wanted to do is actually tell uh, An's story. Once upon a time, he fell in love with a girl. Is Ichon here? Ichan, where are you? Is Ichan here? Oh. Okay, I get free reign with this story. I was going to have a raise her hand if I said anything that was kind of off. So I can just, woo, let's go. Um, so, you know, I've heard Ann tell me this story at least three times, okay? So I think I'm pretty close to what actually happened. I actually had him, I did like a fact check on the phone. Like, hey, did this happen, this happened? He said, yes, okay? So there was once upon a time, Ann fell in love with a girl. And her name was Betty. No, I'm joking. Her name was Ichan. An and Ichon were in the same college fellowship. And An developed feelings for Ichon. And he thought that Ichon felt the same way. He thought. So one day he mustered the courage and he asked Ichan out. And Ichan, in the fullness of her wisdom and discernment, said, no. <laughs> and she sent him home. Now, what was Ichan thinking? Okay, Ichan, and th- these are in An's own words, so I'm, I'm cool here. Ichan was thinking, you know, if I had enough of the wrong guy, and An is not husband material. Okay, these are not my words. These are Ichan's words, okay? Are we okay? And Ichon was also thinking, she was also thinking, that if An is really serious about me, he won't give up. He will keep on pursuing me. So let me just, let me just pause and reflect a little bit here. Okay? Why does one person keep another person waiting? Why does God sometimes keep us waiting? Could it be... That sometimes God might be thinking, if he really wants this thing, or she really wants this thing, she's going to push past the no, or the silence, or the waiting, and keep on persisting. Do we have a message somewhere here? Am I preaching yet? Okay, you guys are with me. Okay. So, this is what Anna was thinking. He went home, and he was crestfallen, he was dejected and rejected and shunned by each on, right? And he went home and he was thinking, you know, I'm going to go to bed. But before I go to bed, this is what I'm thinking. If I wake up the next day and she's still on my mind, like I can't live without her, I'm going to st- still keep on pursuing. But if I wake up and it's just another day and there's more, more, more fish in the sea, then my life will, will go on. There was the bed and he wakes up. And he can't live without her. So he calls on and says, John, can we have lunch? And she says, yes. And he's like, well, I'm confused now. <laughs> and then during lunch, An says, I know you said no, but all I'm asking for right now is permission to pursue. And she said, yes. So I'm on the phone. I'm asking like, okay, how long did you do this for until she said yes? He said two months. I said, well, how often did you write cards, call on the phone? Did you go and see her face to face? He said every day. You know what he did? He gave me a box of those two months filled with cards And notes, and oh my goodness, this is a lot. Do you believe that he actually gave me the box? Let's read some of this right now. (laughs) Roses are red, violets are blue, each on is very, very nice. No, he didn't even write that. Two on, as long as God made us wait. Oh, wait. Okay, we're not gonna go through this. We'll actually we'll put it in the refreshment hall, we'll have some snacks. (laughs) We'll go over it later. Okay? This is good stuff. Good stuff. This is. Look how full this is. This is a man who knows perseverance. Talking. This is a man. You know, each on today. You know what she says? She says, "Listen." Sorry, not bad. It's okay. It's okay. What was I saying? It was really good. Each on today would say we would not be together if on. Did not persevere and persist. She says that to this day. We would not be married if not for his persistence. Now, I just want you to think about this. An's ah, got a lot going for him, would you say? How many of you would date On? Ah, no. <laughs> is good looking. An is, I mean, everyone loves On, and he's got an incredible initiative and leadership. I got go on. He's got a lot going for him. But you know, all that stuff didn't work. You know. I mean, she knew that he had all that stuff and she said, no, what was the one thing that made the difference? You tell me guts and persistence, persistence. He came back, he asked for permission. And then every day he was asking, is that you? Is that you with God? Is that your faith? Here is this widow. Okay. anne has got a lot, but one thing made the difference. here's this widow. She got nothing. Nothing, no connections, no money, nothing, no status. What does she have? Persistence. And that one thing made all the difference. Persistence. Is that you and your faith? Or do you give up easy all the time? You throw in the towel way before you should. Is that you? Is that you with your faith? Do you have a faith that doesn't quit? Do you have a prayer life that perseveres, that keeps on pressing God for an answer. Or do you throw in the towel before then? What do you like? Now now th- don't get me wrong, with this parable, you can take it and run with it and apply the wrong thing. This parable is not saying that you can manipulate God. Like somehow if I keep on nagging God, I'm gonna change his mind. No, no, no. God weighs no way knows way more than you know, sees all the angles and actually is out for your best. And sometimes your best is not his best because God sees everything. He's going to give you what's truly best. Now, this passage is also not saying that, oh, this is what God is like, this unrighteous judge. It's not saying that. This parable is a how much more argument. You guys repeat it. how much more? Say that with me. Do you guys get it? So here's a widow. She's got nothing but persistence. But that one thing actually made all the difference in this judge ruling in her favor. And this judge is unrighteous. His nasty guy doesn't believe in God, doesn't care what other people think. Now, if that one thing with this unrighteous, nasty guy was able to make all the difference, how much more will it make a difference for God who is the perfect judge? And your loving father. You guys hear the argument? It's a very powerful argument. And now now you, you root this in the context of the second coming. Jesus, it's like he's saying, look, when I come back, I will ultimately fulfill your ultimate prayer. And our prayer as Christians is a prayer for justice. God, these relationships, our relationship with you, our relationship with the other, this world is so messed up. And Jesus is the ultimate answer to come and bring restoration and renewal when he comes. And because that's true and because of the generosity of God, all our little requests will also realize an amen. Now, it doesn't mean that you can manipulate God or that this thing that you if you ask for it and day and day and night, that you can wear God down and he'll say yes. No, it's not saying that. Sometimes God says no because he has a better grace to give you. Sometimes God says, wait, because I want to see if you're really serious about this. And you've got to keep on pressing in and believing that is good. Now, let me tell you a little bit about my own mouth, uh, uh, masseter muscle condition. You know, I'll be really honest with you. I actually don't pray that God is going to heal me uh, to be like I was when I was 20 again. I don't pray for complete healing anymore. I'll just be honest with you, I don't. And I think what happened is that there's something in this process of waiting. You guys, I I just turned 40. You guys were a lot of you were there for that incredibly overwhelming, off, you know, over the top uh, tribute during the retreat. You know, and um, honestly, I think that request for complete healing was was kind of me just wanting to be young again. (laughs) I'm just being honest. I want to go back to when I can do those things that I used to as a 20. I could sing, I could preach, I could do all those things, and now I I can't, and I just want to get what I lost. And so I pray for complete, or I used to pray for complete, I don't anymore. Honestly, there's been some refining in my heart because I've been waiting. Nowadays, you know what I want to do? I just like, Lord, give me enough voice so I can preach the gospel, I can be a good husband and father, I can love people well. Just give me enough to do that, because that's really what's important. The complete healing, I don't know. That's not that important. But give me what I need to run my race, to love people, to love my family, to preach the gospel. And then I just want to go home to you. Forty years old, I'm that much closer to going home. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. My prayer has changed. It's been redirected. Was it a no? It was kind of a wait and a no. Maybe it's a no. He could still heal me, but it's like, you know, what's more important? I want to pray prayers that are really worth praying. I want to preach God's word. I want to see lives changed. Do you think God might be giving you a redirect? And if he's giving you a redirect, I bet you it's because there's some refining in your heart. There's a deeper character that is growing inside you. And you're actually going to be praying prayers that are worthy to be prayed. And the priorities of your heart is going to be switched. Um, I, I thought on Mother's Day that we would, we would close on um, a story that's going to be told by Linda. And it is a story of her mother. It is um, a story of perseverance and prayer. And uh, just really looking forward to you guys hearing Linda's story and the story that she has to share about her mom. Everyone, this is Linda. Can you guys give her a hand? Oh, I'll give you this. I'll give you this. So Linda, you want to just look at everyone, say hi. They're mostly friendly. Most of them are friendly. Tell us about, tell us about your mom, her condition, and what kind of led you to pray for your mom.
1: Okay. Um, well, I know most of you don't know my mom, but she's an amazing woman. She's sweet, she's quiet, but strong, and very devoted to her family. Hardworking and with energy to raise a family of seven. Um, and always in good health. I remember one time after a checkup she had, she came and told me, the doctor said I'm in excellent health and and he expects me to live a long, healthy life. But then towards the end of 2004, my mom went to see her doctor because she had this cough that wasn't going away. So they had an X-ray done and it showed a spot on her left lung. Then they did a biopsy. And then in February of 2005, my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer. When I spoke with her on the phone after her diagnosis, she wanted me to come back home to San Diego right away, convinced that she didn't have long to live. She was devastated. I was devastated. How could she have lung cancer? She never smoked and as I said, she was always in good health. I didn't know what to do at that time, except to pray. I was praying for my mom's healing, for strength and comfort, for guidance, for good doctors, for good medical care.
0: So you, you were you were praying for quite some time, right? Yes. And uh, and so we're connecting it back to the the parable of the of the um, the widow, the persevering widow. Uh, what was that like to just pray? And not necessarily see exactly what you're looking for in your mother's condition, and then just to pray and wait and persevere and pray and pray. I mean, was that frustrating at times? Were you feeling impatient at times? I mean, tell us a little bit about what that that uh, process was like.
1: Okay. Well, in the beginning, I was the only one praying. Um, I did ask my mom if my church could pray for her. She said no. <laughs> she didn't want anyone else to know. Um, you know, it's that sense of shame in the Asian culture. She didn't want anyone to know that she was sick, that she had cancer. Um, No one but the family should know about these things, is what she told me. So um, she said it was okay if I prayed, but no one else. So anyway, I persisted. I continued praying, but I continued asking her, are you sure? Because I have a home group that can pray for you. I have uh, a prayer team at my church that can pray for you. You know, the pastors and the staff can pray for you. And so she was really reluctant at first. She didn't want any, even though she didn't even know any of you. She didn't want people praying. Um, So, but finally, I don't know if I just wore her down, but finally she said, "Okay," um, but just don't tell the entire church. Like, okay, mom, I won't tell the entire church. So anyway, um, so. All these people then, they've been praying for her along with me for her healing and for her salvation. And that was a long time ago. She was diagnosed in 2005. And since then, she's gone through, like, six different chemotherapy treatments. And um, and she's currently on a, another one right now. Um, it, and, yes, it was frustrating at times because, you know, one treatment, okay, great. The, the, the treatment's working. The tumors are shrinking. They're dissolving and she's handling the treatment and and you know side effects aren't too bad but then one day they do the CT scan and it's like oh well the tumors are growing again so now okay well that's enough with that treatment now we have to move on to something else so it can get a little frustrating in in that sense um, but at the same time I'm I'm thankful too that there are other treatments um, especially recently because she's gone through so many you know there came a time when well, we don't know if there's really anything else we can do and um, but okay, oh, well, this new treatment just got approved and this is very good for your type of cancer. And so now she's on this treatment. So, so um, yeah, when we thought we were out of options, um, God gave us another option.
0: So, so then, uh, how long have you been praying for your mom?
1: Oh, she was diagnosed in 2005. I started praying then. And, so that's. Um, but on my own and not, I mean, she knew I was praying for her. Um but yeah i 've been praying for a long time but but at 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 one point, I actually asked her if I could pray yeah. with her yeah. so that was different. Um, you know she knew I was praying, um, but i I never really sat down and prayed with her and so one day I did, and she kind of looked at me and i don 't think she knew what to expect, but she said okay so um, so i I sat down and I started praying with her, and you know it was. Such a special experience for me to do that Uh, because I'm thinking she's sitting there and she's hearing me pray for her and for her healing. Uh, And then she's also hearing me talking to God and, uh, you know, it's just like, wow, she's she's hearing me. Okay, God, really use me as I'm spending this time praying with her. And so I started doing this on a regular basis. And then one day, I don't remember when, and I don't even remember what I was praying for, but all of a sudden she responded. I mean, I was praying and she went, mm-hmm. And I'm like, she's listening to what, <laughs> to what I, I was praying and she's following along. And, and, you know, and all this time, her, I just got the impression that her heart was very closed to, to Jesus. And so when she responded at that point, I just thought, wow, her heart that was so closed, I think is beginning to open.
0: Wow. wow. So it was just the mm-hmm. It was yeah. just like the, <laughs> yeah, I'm right, it's like the sign of life. <laughs> like, she said mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, oh my she said mm-hmm, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I, I want you guys to hear this. Linda's been praying for her mom for 10 years. 10 years. And then we started doing these communication cards where we say, hey, guys, you guys have a prayer request." Linda would faithfully, regularly say, pray for my mom. And we would keep on getting these requests on a regular basis, and we would pray yes. for your mother, right?
1: Right, right. Now, it
0: right. didn't happen for 10 years, but it was, you know, when we were doing the communication cards, we were praying for her, you were praying for her. And then at some point, now, you, you've told me this story. Um, you felt like God was directing you to play a role in the answer to that prayer. Can you, can you actually share what happened?
1: well okay this was like last year towards the end of last year around christmas time uh, i was getting ready to go down and see her uh, over christmas and pastor andrew came up to me and 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 started talking about my visit with my mom and he asked me if i felt i was ready to share the gospel with my mom and i didn't know i'm i was afraid and you know what if she said no i mean even though i've been praying with her all this time and um so andrew prayed for me he prayed for boldness and for an opportunity to share the gospel. I I really needed that because I'm not bold, (laughs) and I didn't know how I was going to do this. So anyway, I I left for San Diego wanting to be bold, um, and I was there for a few days, but it it wasn't until the last day I was there. I was realizing I was going to be catching a plane to fly back up to the Bay Area uh, that day, so I said, okay, (laughs) Need to talk to my mom. So I asked her if she knew the meaning of Christmas. I went ahead and told her the Christmas story and then I, and then I went beyond that and I, was, I told her about the significance of Easter, Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. So I, I kind of told her a, a lot of stuff and then I asked her if she understood and she kind of looked at me and I go, okay, not, not all of it. But um, I was out of time, I had a plane to catch, so that was it for that visit. Um, but fast forward to about two weeks ago I was visiting my mom again I had some time off so I was down there and it was a nice visit it was just great spending time with her we were you know taking walks and just talking and cooking and all that kind of stuff Um, but then my last my last day there came it was Friday the first of May and um, before I left I, I wanted to pray with her again but you know we were busy I, I was trying to clean for her and cooking and making dinner and um, and then you know so dinner was over and she was cleaning up in the kitchen I'm like, okay I, I, I need to talk and pray with her before I leave and she no I want to clean up the kitchen first I'm like well you can't wait And no 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 I need to clean and so I was like okay I'm running out of time um, so anyway I was trying to help her clean and finish up things and realizing that I didn't have a whole lot of time to really sit and talk with her Um, And then the phone rings. It's Southwest. This is the airline I'm with. And uh, it's one of those recorded messages and basically they said my flight was canceled. And I'm like, okay, now I'm all flustered because it was an evening flight. and I thought it was the last flight out. So I'm thinking I can't fly out till Saturday, but I'm supposed to be coming back to go to the church retreat, which started that day on the 1st. So I'm all frantic. I don't know what to do. I've never had flight canceled on me before. So I'm like, do I call? Do I go on the computer? So I I went on the computer and I go, okay, I finally figured it out. I have to rebook. And they had one last flight out Friday night. It was late, um, but uh, it was still available. So I went ahead and I rebooked. And as I was doing all this, I'm all frantic. But then all of a sudden in my head, I'm like, okay, I have over an hour now. I've got one plus hours. I'm still here. I have over an hour left to talk with my mom, and I'm thinking, I'm running out of time, but so, God, did you just do this to give me this <laughs> extra hour? Um, so anyway, it yeah, I had an hour. Once I calmed down, everything was rebooked. So then my mom was done cleaning at that point, and um, I was able to sit down with her and pray with her again. I prayed for her healing again. And then after that, I, I asked her some questions. I I, I just... I asked her, Mom, do you believe in the power of God that he can do these miraculous things that he can heal? And she said, yes. Then I asked her if she believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Yes. If she believes Jesus died on the cross for us who are sinners, yes. And then I asked if she accepts Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Yes. So we prayed again, and my mom accepted Christ.
0: So um, I was at, at the retreat, and I kind of knew that, we, you know, we've been praying for Linda and for mom. And then, personally, I was feeling a little bit, like, discouraged about something. Mm-hmm. And then I saw you in the buffet line and then it was like, my mom just accepted Jesus, Mm -hmm. and it was was such a huge lift, I gave you this big hug, we were both so excited, and uh, can you just, you know, explain a little bit, like, what does your mother's salvation, what does that, what does that mean to you, just, just a few words, just comment on that a little bit.
1: Oh, I, you know, I can't even express how much that means to me, Um, you know, like, like we were saying it's been a long time and we've been praying for 10 years and I mean if you've been wanting something for that long and then you finally get it it's I think initially when it happened I was numb I just Mm -hmm. was like wow really (laughs) 10 years really um and yeah so I was kind of numb and shocked in the beginning but then just so happy it's you know it's like my mom she's saved she's gonna see Jesus one day you know my mom who gave me life And then I was able to um, give her life, eternal life.
0: Amen. Thanks, Linda. Praise God. Praise God. I'm just going to close by going back to the scripture and leaving you with these words. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay them long? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. He will answer their prayers. So in the name of Jesus, church, I'm encouraging you guys. Pray always and don't give up. Don't lose heart. Keep on keeping on. Let's pray. We pray now to the one who answers prayer and ultimately answers prayer in his son. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that one day you will return and everything that's messed up in our world, you're going to fix it, restore it, renew it once and for all. You are the ultimate answer to every prayer, Lord. And because you are good and because you're coming back and because God is generous and good, we know that every prayer in between ultimately finds its amen in jesus and you are out for our good even the no's are out for our good and so we trust you and we can keep on keeping on in jesus name we pray